I'm Margie Byrne, and I'm the Assistant Director General here at the National Library, responsible for Australian Collections and Reader Services. And in welcoming you tonight, as is customary, I acknowledge the Ngambri and Ngunnawal peoples, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet, their elders past and present. And I make this acknowledgement as an act of reconciliation and respect. I thank the elders for caring for this land that we are now privileged to call home. Sometimes those words can sound formulaic, but truly we must all stop and reflect on them tonight. For if ever there was an elder who deserved honour for caring for his country and for his generosity in sharing it, it was the old man, Big Bill Natchee, who we're honouring tonight. And all of us who've had the privilege of visiting the magnificent country that is Kakadu, now recognised by UNESCO for all the peoples of the world as a World Heritage Site, we, we are indebted to him for sharing that country. So the National Library is honoured to be the venue for this evening's event as we hear about more about the life and achievements of this remarkable old man, Gagaju Elder Big Bill Nachi. Tragically, he was the last surviving speaker of the Gakuju language of Arnhem Land, a senior lawman, a traditional owner of the Gunich estate. He took courageous and generous decisions to share his knowledge and leave a record for generations to come, as we will see and hear tonight. And tonight we're celebrating the publication of the newest book, Old Man's Story, but there were others before it. First there was Kakadu Man, which has been reprinted and re published in several new editions. Story about feeling. A Madukanya Man, six stories in language. And in Yuani Jua, in which he shared knowledge of sites sacred to the traditional Bunich custodians. So you can see just from that little roll call how much it mattered to Bill Nightji that he wanted to ensure his knowledge could be recorded and passed on to future generations in his books. And he said he wanted this knowledge shared with black and white Australians through his books. So tonight it's a great pleasure to have Senator Nova Paris, John Paul Janke and Mark Lang uh, to celebrate the life of Big Bill Nightji and this book. Uh, Senator Nova Paris OAM is here tonight in a very special capacity as the great niece of Big Bill Nightie. Before being elected in 2013 as a Senator for the Northern Territory, of course she was well known to us as a, a marvellous athlete, famous for representing Australia in the gold medal winning hockey team at the Atlanta Olympics and then um, remarkably switching to athletics and becoming a double gold medalist in the Kuala Lumpur Commonwealth Games in the 200 metres sprint, which she won, and um, then as a team member in the 4 by 100 metres relay. And she's also a former Young Australian of the Year, but we acknowledge her tonight in her senior role as Senator for the Northern Territory. And Mark Lang will be sharing the podium with Senator Paris. Uh, Mark is um, the photographer who has brought us this book. Uh, having come to, from England at the age of 26, he's spent um, many decades travelling Australia as a photographer and uh, his passion for the outback took him to uh, Kakadu and led him to Big Bill, uh, who entrusted him with his story. 
and led to this, the publication of Old Man's Story, their, their collaboration, which has been published by IATSIS Press, the um, really fine publishing arm at the Australian Institute of Torres, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies. And we're really pleased to have John Paul Janke with us here tonight from IATSIS. And John will um, host the conversation um, when uh, the three speakers... Um, Mount the little dais there, um, but but without further ado, I'll I'll hand over to John Paul, who will say a few words before the speakers um, begin. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Maggie. Look, my job is going to be simple tonight. I'm going to try and control two people who will be able to talk for hours on end about a wonderful topic and a subject they love. But uh, look, as is the custom, let me also acknowledge country and acknowledge the traditional custodians on whose land we gather on tonight, and I thank them for having us and sharing this wonderful country, Canberra, with us. As you heard, look, Bill, Big Bill Naiji was the keeper of ancient knowledge. Importantly, he was the last remaining Gagaju speaker of his Bunich clan. He was a senior elder of Kakadu National Park and a traditional owner of Bunich Estate in northern Kakadu. An important and well-respected, greatly respected Australian... He was one of the key individuals responsible for having his land, Kakadu National Park, a living cultural landscape with exceptional natural and cultural values that his people had lived on for over 40,000 years, inscribed on the World Heritage List. As he grew older, Big Bill realised that as one of the last initiated Gagaju the traditional secrets passed down from generation to generation might be lost with his passing. So that his culture might live on, he made the courageous decision to break cultural taboo and share those secrets. In addition to entrusting some of those custodianship of tribal lands to his son, he related many of these stories to anthropologists and others and, as you heard, published many books he related his passion for the land of which he was part of and insisted on the importance of managing the land in a traditional way and that he hoped that one day his culture might thrive once again and his grandchildren or their grandchildren might pick up those threads again. To highlight the story of Big Bill, we'd now like to show a short video compile. remaining Gagaju-speaking member of the Bunich clan from West Arnhem Land in Australia's north passed away and it is here at Hawk Twining that his body rests. Bill Naiji was instrumental in having his Bunich country proclaimed part of Kakadu National Park's World Heritage Paradise. As the custodian of ancient stories, Naiji was concerned that when he was gone, so too would his stories disappear. 
or my uncle gone. But this story, I got it. They told me, they taught me, and I can feel it. I feel it with my body, with my blood. Feeling all these trees, all this country. When this wind blows, you can feel it. Same for country, you feel it. You can look, but feeling that make you.
People look for food, animal look for food, lizard look, bird look, anyone look, we all same. Dreaming place, you can't change it. No matter you rich man, no matter you king, you can't change it. Based on stories put down by Bundi Jelda Bill Naiji, story about feeling is his gift to all people of all cultures. This is his story about feeling. on stories put down by Bill Naiji, and it was his desire that these stories continue to reach to all who wanted to listen. So the format tonight is we're just going to have a bit of a conversation with both Mark and Nova about uh, the old man, um, and then we might take some questions from the audience uh, if we've got time at the end. So Mark and Senator, if you'd like to come up to the stage... So, can everyone hear me? Is that okay? So, Old Man's Story contains stories about living on country, Neji's passion for the land, and that all shows through. Look, he emphasises the significance of traditional practice, hoping that his culture will flourish and be passed on. Old Man's Story is a powerful contribution to the history of Northern Australia, told by one of the iconic figures. Old Man's Story is actually his third book. And for 35 years, Mark Lang have used his panoramic camera to record the varied extremes across Australia. And on one of these travels, he met Big Bill. For over two years, Mark worked with the old man, recording his story and photographing his country. And the book is this result. And just as the old man is an icon in the Northern Territory, joining us on stage, as you heard, is another Territory legend, Senator Nova Paris. Commonwealth gold medalist, Olympic gold medalist, mother, grandmother, wife, and it's good to see her husband, Scott, here tonight, um, and importantly, the first Aboriginal woman elected to the Federal Senate. Please make Mark and Nova welcome.
So tonight we're going to be talking and unpacking some of these stories behind the book itself and exploring some of the images that Mark has captured throughout the book. But Mark, old man's story opens up with a wonderful anecdote about your first meeting with Big Bill. I understand it was the East Alligator River. Sure Are was. you able to tell us a bit more about this? Centre of the universe, mate. Border store on the crossing over to Arnhem Land. Um, I was parked outside. I'd only been there a few days. I'd heard about Old Man. I would love to have met him. But there was a bit of a screen between the outside world and him. The rangers would sort of say, uh, oh, you want to meet him? Yeah, well, maybe sometime, you know. They were being very protective of him. So I thought, well, maybe I'll meet him up one day. And I was parked outside Border Store in the middle of the day. And this green utility just came parked alongside. And the driver got out and went into the store. And there's this big old fellow in the passenger seat there with this big crown of white hair. And I just thought to myself, that's got to be the old fellow. <laughs> and then he turned around and he looked right at me. And he had a strong eye, old man, he had a strong eye. I felt like I'd been struck by lightning. Just, he was looking right at me and I'm looking back at him. And I'm, I had a book of my pictures to show him, so I went round to the window, introduced myself. I gave him the book. So the first thing he said to me was, you got a cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I'm sorry, old man, I don't smoke. <clears throat> but anyway, we'd introduced each other. And from that point on, we got to know each other as friends. And it transpired that I was at the stage of my journey. I'd been on the road for about three years already. I'd got to the stage where I wanted to be still for a while. I wanted to get to know one piece of country. We want to photograph that, do justice to that. And I'd also got to the stage of my journey where I thought, if I'm doing a landscape book on Australia, I really want the Aboriginal perspective within that. How am I going to get that? I've got to spend some time with those people, hopefully with an elder who could learn me up. So... It was sort of arranged that I was going to work with a man across the East Alligator River, another elder, but he changed his mind. Didn't tell me. And so for weeks I'd been waiting. When I finally found out the news that he wasn't going to be working with me, he was working with somebody else. Far better choice, too, I might admit. <laughs> um, George Chalupka, you know, you didn't ask me anybody better. Um, when I found out that, I thought, no, oh, this country's not lucky for me. I'm, you know, I'm out of here. So I thought, you know, I got to know a man as a friend by then. I met him a few times. And um, so I thought I'd better go. If I'm going to go, you know, leave this country, I'd better say goodbye to this old fellow. So I went round to his house in the evening, explained my tale of woe. And he listened to me and he said, Sit down. So I sat down on the bed beside him. He said, Hmm, you got a tape recorder? I said, Yeah, of course I got a tape recorder, old man. Right, he said, hmm, I tell you a story. And that's where it all began. From that point on, my life was basically in Kakadu until the job was finished. That was two years, three wet seasons, two dries. Recording the story and then photographing the country to uh, accompany the pictures, uh, accompany the words. That was my task. Until it was done, I had to stay there. Mm. Um, but what an honour to be asked for, to do yeah. such a thing. And now I see you nodding your head. As Mark was talking about country and mm. uh, the old man's white hair. You've got a... a a sort of a, a great story about first meeting him. Yes, yeah, so I um, sat so the connection. Um, my father's mother, Nana Janie, so old man Bill is Nana Janie's brother. Um, so my mum, um, she was a single mum. I didn't really have much to do with my 
biological father until I was about 16, 17. However, um, Nana Janey, we had a lot to do with, you know, my father was here, but we still had a lot to do with, with Nana's side of the family. And so when I got to meet my um, biological father, he said to me, you've, you've got business, you've got to go out to country. And um, so like, my mum, she, she was taken off my grandmother when she was eight years old. So she was, she was a Kimberley woman. They, they moved up to Darwin after the Second World, uh, sorry, she was, the Second World War happened when Nana was 16 years old. She had my mum. And they, they lived in the Kimberleys for a while, moved up to the Territory, and there was another wave of the stolen generation. So my mum grew up on the mission, so she was very disconnected from culture, language, and all that. So it wasn't until my father came into my life and, and he said, you know, you are Aboriginal, you need to learn your culture, you need to learn who you are, your identity. So when he took me back out to country, um, was in 1993, and I was injured at that time, and I'd played about 20 two games for Australia. And so when I went out there, I was in need of healing. And um, he said, I'll take you to this place called Injuanjua, which was out at Cannon Hill. And, and I'm sure Mark can talk a bit more about it as well. So I went out there and, and this old man was sitting there waiting. And like Mark described, he had this big, deep voice. It was really quite scary. He's almost six foot. He was so tall and, and just black as black could be. White hair, bit like yourself. <laughs> 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 Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, and he said to me, he said, "I've been waiting for you." And I said, "Okay." And and we we had this this conversation, and um, and he said, "Ah, oh, so you you need healing." And I said, "I'll take you to this place." And and I never really understood until like I'm 44 now, um, and. Those stories have just evolved over time and, 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 and I know that you're going to pull up a, a picture of Injuandran a bit later and that was the first time I'd met that old man. But I, I thought, you know, I, I played 20 plus caps for Australia at that time. I was injured. I didn't know if I was going to go on with my sporting career. But one hell of a healing place that was and um, it, it was the start of who I was and I truly believe that I would not have achieved what I did in my lifetime thus far if I wasn't reconnected with my father, that old man, my family, in terms of, um, you know, because you're as, only as good as you are internally and that whole spiritual connection with country, you know, just unleashed me and I spread my wings and travelled the world. And Mark and I were talking this morning at the launch of Parliament House that uh, your chance meeting or... or or you stalking Big Bill, um, <laughs> meeting him at East Alligator River, mm. and the two years that followed of him telling those stories to you, um, and Parliament House this morning being chosen for the place that we launched the book, mm. where Nova is now a federal politician, it was almost as though it had come full circle and the old man had planned that all along. He oh. does that. <laughs> he does that. <laughs> Um, now, parts of the book wonderfully describe uh, how you sat with him and uh, pressed a recorder and listened to his stories um, because the old man was worried about those stories disappearing forever uh, when he finally passed away. Um, and those were stories of song, of ceremony, of dance and of culture. And his main desire was to see that continuation of culture. Indeed. You, you spent two years with him recording these stories mm -hmm. and listening to him. 
how important was it for the old man to be able to record his stories, to tell those stories to future Aboriginal people, his children, and also Ballina, non-Aboriginal people? Totally critical. Totally critical. I, and, and I felt the pressure of that. I felt um, that my journey so far had just been like a glorified trip around Australia. Now that I had the responsibility to him to make sure that the story was recorded and told and furthermore published, that I had a purpose in my journey at last. It wasn't as if it was just a glorified trip around Oz. There was a, an end purpose to all of this and it gave the whole thing some credence. And uh, I felt that there was a need for him to... I used to prompt him a little bit. Sometimes I felt we could maybe go deeper and deeper into the story. I felt, you can call your hands off, you know, you shouldn't really interfere. But he, he took that, he took that okay. And, and he, would, he would go deeper, deeper into the story. And he was always checking out where I was. So I would move camp and, and he'd go looking for me, you know. I'd, I'd be seeing a ranger's truck coming through in the middle of the night. It'd stop. It's okay. They go back and report. It's okay. He's moved from 55 to 22. It's okay. He hasn't gone. You know. So I kind of felt like you know the eye in the sky is kind of watching. So you know, just respect that and stay with it. You'll know when the job's finished, uh, but you're going to have to hang here until you do. So I was fortunate. I scored a job as a ranger, not a real ranger, but I had a uniform and a hat and a bottle, a water bottle and stuff, and I was what's known as a surveillance officer. The surveillance officer looks after the art sites, makes sure they're not damaged by anybody, and you, you do a sort of little circuit every day. So I, I was a sort of ranger, and so I, got, you know, I was on a, on a wage, so I could stay there. I wasn't going to be leaving that country. The rangers were happy for me to work there, work with old man, recording his story and doing ranger impressions um, <laughs> the rest of the time. So it was kind of... Uh, but I felt the, the pressure that he needed to tell that tale, and when he was done, he was done. That was it. Because it was a major job for him. He had really bad emphysema. You know, if he, if he, was, if he was talking now, he'd be having to take a breath just to say the next thing. So we got nine hours of tape all in all, which I had to then write out and read back to him, make sure there were no mistakes. So it was a long job. But for him, it was a major effort mm. just to be able to speak that stuff. So... You know, he was getting it out. It was costing him, but it had to be done. And I was just honoured to be, you know, the earpiece, mm. I suppose you might say. And Nova, for, for you, now in the position where you are, mm. and uh, knowing the old man, uh, how important was it, do you think, was it for him to share his culture? And do you think that um, more uh, non-Indigenous Australians or the wider community should learn more about Indigenous culture, and especially sort of in the last two years since you've been elected to the federal mm. parliament, uh, do you think that there's a lot more opportunity for people to embrace Indigenous culture? Yeah, ab absolutely. And I, um, you know, I can certainly testify for how important um, it was for old man to tell his story because he he was scared of, you know, sort of um, the stories that were being lost. Um, he was worried about um, young kids, I guess, being educated in, in a white man's world. Um, he knew all about the mission days and, and he was scared of losing that. Like, to go back to, to country, back out to Cannon Hill, like, I was only there a couple of weekends ago with, with my family and my son's 11 years old and that's, that's his backyard. He, we've taken 
you know, federal, federal ministers out to country and my 11-year-old son, he can just take anyone out there and he can tell the stories and share the stories. And that is so important, you know, because what he taught me was we as Aboriginal people, without the land, we are nothing. Um, and I've heard quite often, you know, when the, you know, religious people have churches, have mosques, you know, they, they have symbolic gestures of what their identity and, and their belief is. Our belief is in the land. The land is our church. The land is our Bible. It's everything and the whole connectedness of, you know, the, the whole oneness. And, and I know that, um, you know, his death when, when he died, he knew what he wanted before he died. He said, this is what I want to do because when we go back out to country, a lot of the, um, the, the how when old people die, they're wrapped up in paper bark, they're put on the platforms and it was one of the very last funerals where East, West and northeast Arnhem Land all came together. There were hundreds and hundreds of people at that old man's ceremony. And could you imagine for three weeks, the singing continued around the clock, 24 hours, just saying and saying and saying and saying. And so it took 12 months before like that old man's family would sit with him. And so when his body, the flesh had decomposed, his um, bones were painted with ochre. And when you die, you go back to country and his bones are just put into to the escarpment. So when you go back there, it feels like eyes and everything are just, <laughs> just looking at you. You cannot escape it. But, but it's, it's important, you know, like there, there are paintings there that from the Macassans that are, you know, 900 years old. There are paintings there of the rainbow serpents that are, you know, 8,000 years old. And a few years ago, um, there was a painting of what they called a Janoris, which is an extinct bird from 40,000 years ago. And it's just phenomenal, and, and they're important. And what old man wanted to do was he wanted to share that story, share our culture, and, and he never judged. I remember um, when I won my Olympic gold medal, um, so I'd been going back you know, every year, and so 60 Minutes came out, and Charles Woolley, being the fisherman, you know, slash Aka Channel 9 guru that he was, anyway, all he kept saying was, I've got to catch a fish got to catch fish out at Jabri. I said, we've got a big, important story here to, to <laughs> tell Charles. Come on. Anyway, we sat down, we sat down with old Bill. And um, so Jonathan, his son, um, Marky spending quite a bit of time with, that old man was like, so what's all the humbug? And um, they're like, oh, Nova's won something pretty big, old man. What's, what's the humbug? She said, oh, she's won an Olympic gold medal. Hmm. Okay. And, and he just couldn't, but he had been to the 1962 yeah, Commonwealth yeah. Games in Perth, so he knew a bit about the whole sporting, you know, and how Australians get a bit excited over sports. <laughs> and um, so the whole Olympic gold medal fiasco, he, Jonathan said to him, Dad, Nova's proud, She's, this is, you know, your daughter girl, and um, the only way he could understand the significance of this gold medal was when he won his land back. Just that, that, so putting an materialistic, you know, humbug into the world of an Aboriginal world of winning your land back, mm. that was the only way that he could understand, you know, the significance of it. So um, we, we, we told the story. Anyway, Charles Woolley was funny. All he wanted to do was catch a bar. And, and, and he sat down with that old man, Charles Woolley, and, and um, Charles said to him, can you teach me? And that old man said, I can teach you. You respect me. I respect you, we walk this one earth, breathe the same air, bleed one red blood. And that's, that's the psyche, he just, he never judged people, but it was always that mutual respect. And you know, 
opening his country, opening his heart, irrespective of what's happened in the past. We can't change it, but it was so important that, um, you know, anyone who came, if they wanted to learn, if you respected him, would respect you and open his heart and country. All right, thanks, thanks Nova. Um, Mark, the, the cover of the book features an iconic um, portrait of the old man. Um, a stunning portrait, actually, but uh, I understand there's a bit of story uh, behind actually capturing that image. Yes, uh, there were lots of pictures of old man, but there was no portrait of him that I could find that really uh, epitomised uh, man that he was. And I felt, well, uh, it's down to you, Sunshine, you better do it uh, while you're here. So I thought, OK, well, um, I'm going to have to get this together. How am I going to do this? Uh, I thought... Because he was so concerned about his young fellows losing story, losing touch with their culture, that it should be a picture of old man telling story to a young fella. And I even drew a layout down on a piece of paper, drew the whole thing up. I took it round to his place one evening. I said, this is what the idea I've got for a picture of old man. What do you think? And he said, yeah, yeah, like like that idea. Yeah, we do that one. And I thought, well... It may be more powerful if it's got some words that go with it. And I was thinking, what words actually do go with it? So I went up to the lookout at Ubia in this country there, and there's a national park sign with some of Bill's words written upon it. And those words were, my old people all dead. We only a few left. We're getting too old. Young people, I don't know if they can look after this story, but now you know this story might be you can look after this story, this earth. So I thought that would be the perfect caption to go with a picture of old man and a young fella. So a constant companion to old man was Ricky, who was only about four years old. He used to follow him around like a shadow. And so I thought, it's an old man and Ricky. That's the picture. That's what we're going to do. Now, we had about six goes at this. Every single time it was arranged that Old man and Ricky will be ready tomorrow morning. We're going to go out to this location and do this picture. It was all signed, sealed, and delivered. Everyone's happy. It's happening. I turn up to pick up old man. No sign of Ricky. He's gone. He's gone fishing. His father's taken him fishing. Gone across the river, shooting magpie goose, whatever. (laughs) He was never there. So we were running out of time when it came to this picture. Red season's just about to start happening. The road out to this location is getting very boggy. If we don't, don't get the picture done soon, we won't get it done at all. And I thought, well, how much longer is he going to last? I'd better just do this shot. The last time we turned out to pick up Ricky, no sign of him. I said to old man, let's go to Cannon Hill. We'll find another, we'll find another young fella. Plenty around there. <laughs> Plenty around there. <laughs> However, the only one that we found was um, little Mick. Uh, little Mick is about you know, yay high. So I, got, I took Little Mick with us down to this location. I sat him down next to the old man, but he just looked like two Aboriginal men having a chat. Didn't look like, you know, being passing over at all. So I just thought, oh, that's what the picture is, actually. It's us. We are the young fellas. He's looking at us. He's telling us. So the last thing I said to old man when he sat down there by that fire that Mickey had built for him, I said to him, no, man, I want you to look in that lens and you're saying to that fellow, that lady who's looking at this picture, no, you, you look after this story. So that's why his eyes are as strong as they are, because that's what he's saying. When the flash went off, 
I could still see those old eyes mm. looking right at me in an instant. It was much like the same sensation of always being struck <laughs> by lightning, you know. So it took forever and a day. It took four months to get this picture. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad to say we persisted. At the end of it, he said, after this, we finish, eh? Just take, take too much out of me. <laughs> he said, yeah, you and me both are, man. So he's hanging in the National Portrait Gallery. His picture's there. Beautiful. I don't know whether he's on the wall. I think he might frighten a few people, but <laughs> he's, he's there. Yeah. And Nova, what, did, what do you see when you look at that uh, portrait? Can you describe what you see? An old man growling me. <laughs> 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 he, he would, like, that's, that's the look. You know, it was never when you'd rock up there to see him at the house. It wasn't like, you know, he'd be smiling, arms out and say, hello, Nova, come here, Bob, give us a hug. It was never, ever like that. <laughs> he was like... When you're coming back here, and he said, "You got business back here." So when you finished, and every, everything was humbug. He said, "When you finish that humbug, you got business back home on country." So that was, and and fair enough too. You know, these old people, and I, I say to my kids all the time, we are nothing without the stories and the old people, their resilience, what they endured in their lifetime. You know, I think we're so spoilt. In, uh, in 2015, you know, and I think that that's what we have to do. We've got to, we owe it to those old people to keep those stories alive. And, um, you know, my father used to always say, you don't have rights, you have inherited responsibility. And, and I think, um, you know, my time now as a, a senator, when, when people say you, you speak out a lot for Aboriginal issues, I said, well, I don't have a choice. I feel eyes in the back of my head. That old <laughs> that man old looking man. at yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, now, Mark, Bill always felt that country was calling him back. Um, and you've put a, a beautiful photo of his footprint uh, in the book. Can you tell yes. us this? Yes, after we'd been working, we'd, we'd, we'd recorded all the stories. I read them all back to him. And I've, I was beginning to see the whole thing together as a book. Because you know, that's what it, the whole purpose of my being there was to eventually carry the story and get it into a book form. But I thought um, it would be nice if he, if he signed off on this. But I thought it was actually totally inappropriate for a signature to, to sign the story off. Aboriginal people can tell from a footprint who is who. So I thought his footprint would be the appropriate way for him to sign off on his story. So I said to him, man, would you mind if we, we made a print of your foot? He said, yeah, sure, okay. So <laughs> get him in the wheelchair, wheeled him down the driveway, down to the driveway, nice bit of red dirt there in the driveway. So I got his foot out of the wheelchair and I got it down, pressed it down. <laughs> the yeah. Oh, good print now, man. Yeah, yeah, good print. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I said, I'll just go and get the camera. So I went back to my truck to get the camera. Well, the kids had come down. Oh, so they'd all added their little prints. So, so there's all these little tiny footprints all over old man's prints. So I, sorry, old man, we're going to have to do it again. Sorry. So I had to wheel into another bit of dirt and get his foot again. <laughs> Press it down. So that's what it is. It's just basically his signature, I suppose you may. But what fascinates me is you see the hard tissue around the outside. Now, now that foot has done some walking. Mm. That's just hard, callous all the way around the outside there. He used to walk 400 k's up to Coburg. He walked 400 k's down to Catherine. Walking was, you know, you just say, take a couple of spears, that's all you need, and away we go. Mm. So, yeah, that's his signature. Yeah. 
And Nova, you spoke before about the significance of country, but um, you chose back on country to be married, have yeah. a beautiful wedding ceremony, and um, I understand you've recently done a uh, television program <laughs> uh, where you've taken someone of, I, of I, note I back did, to country. Um, but no one in this room can reveal the oh, location. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, so I, this is an exclusive no, for this no, event. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's all good, um, okay. I think. Anyway, I did. Um, <clears throat> it was an Annabelle Crab oh, yes, kitchen right. cabinet, yeah. and all the pollies do their stuff in the kitchen. I thought, well, you can come to my kitchen. Oh, so we went out. Yeah, so that's coming up, I think, in October. So we went out to um, country, out to Cannon Hill, and um, cooked a bit of damper. Ate a bit of namus, which is queenfish marinated in uh, vinegar and lemon juice. Mm-hmm. And then I said, are you ready for the, uh, for the main meal? And she said, yes. And I was reaching to the esky and just pulled out a magpie goose. And she's like, <laughs> whoa, okay, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> so, yeah, we sat down and, and plucked the goose together. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was good. I mean, it, the reason why I wanted to do it out there is for that very reason. You know, um, because there's... There's a lot of um, negativity about Aboriginal people in mainstream media, and um, you know when you when you have um, you know leaders saying that Aboriginal people living on country is a lifestyle choice, it's just it's not a bloody lifestyle mm. choice. It's it's that that's your connection to country. It's um, it's our responsibility to sustain and maintain our culture, and so you know like. Um, Mark was saying, all my family, their range is out on country, they look after it and um, we have close to half a million German tourists that go through Kakadu National Park every year, like just the amount of European tourists that come they, they come to the country to learn about Aboriginal culture it's the oldest culture collective race of people in the world and it's alive and it's well and it's thriving, you know, through art and song and dance and music and storytelling so, you know, for people like Mark to come and, you know, not just have an opinion of Aboriginal people, but a lived, fully informed opinion and to captivate, um, you know, that old man's stories and is just something that I'm sure his spirit is alive and well, you know. In you, you've, you've, it'll always be with you and, and we appreciate that. The family appreciates yeah. that people who come with respect and want to take those stories away. Yeah, and just looking at that photo there, Mark, I, it's got some wonderful similarities to the, the footprint on the moon, doesn't it? And, you know, it's grey well, dust. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good so, point, good point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, the, sort of, the, the actual last image in the book is this heart-shaped rock. Um, yeah. Why did you pick this particular photo as a way to end your story or your journey and well, achieve your journey? Um, I had to have a sign-off picture. I, I felt I, you know, I really had to. Um, am I coming through okay? Yep. Good time, sorry. Um, yeah, I had to have a sign-off picture, much like uh, old man signed off with his footprint. I had to sign-off picture to finish the story. And uh, for me, it was simple symbolism of the heart-shaped rock. It is there in the pool. I felt that was the only way I could express the love that I have for that old fellow. And um, I felt for the country too. Mm. Yeah, it was um, it was important for me to to finish the job properly. And so it was wet season, best season, um, and that was my beat. I, I, I patrolled that particular piece of country <laughs> every day as a ranger, so I knew it full well. 
And when a bit of grunty weather came through, um, I was up there. And uh, that system is coming fast. Mm. About 30 seconds, I'm hiding underneath a rock because lightning follows very close behind that one. And if you stay on that iron stone, you're going to get crisped. So <laughs> it's best to keep moving. So that's the sign-off. Yeah. yeah, the heart-shaped box. Just love of country. Beautiful. Love of that old fella. Mm-hmm. Love I, of that I country. can see now, are you nodding your head? Like oh, well, you can smell the, the rain I in the air. I can smell the rain. I can, yeah. I mean, just going back, um, back to country, like when we went there and I had my son with me and we just drove out together a couple of weekends ago and he puts the window down. We've got the, uh, the, the back burning going on in Darwin at the moment, the dry season, but he's just like, you know, 11-year-old kid smelling in just the, the smell of the, the fire burning. Um, actually, one of my nephews, his name is called Billy, named after that old man Billy, and his middle name is Burn, after burning of the... <laughs> so his name's Billy Burn um, uh, Patterson. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the whole sense when I took Annabelle out there and she just said, you, you don't have five senses when you go out to, you know, at that country, you have six senses. You know, you just the feeling of the spirits around you and you can touch and look and feel and taste and it's just, um, yeah, everyone needs to go up there. <laughs> Put it on your bucket list. <laughs> okay. All right. We're, we're going to sneak through. This next image is uh, in Juanjua um, and you've captured a mark in your book. But no, it's a special sort of significance. Oh, sorry. That's yeah, in Juanjua there. Yeah. Moved by moonlight. Um, and Nova, this is you uh, at that same place and you want to tell us a story about Yeah, that. so if, if you go back to that one first, can you go yep. back? So that's the one that Mark captivated. So Injuanjuan is the rock there. That's, that's our spiritual being. That's like our God. It's the, the creator. And um, So if you go to the next slide, when I first went out um, to Cannon Hill, so I needed healing. I was actually on crutches. So this young girl here is Natasha Naji's Big Bill's um, granddaughter. And we had this photo that was taken and about, oh, geez, 15, 16 years later when I went through another phase in my life and, and I started researching just Aboriginal gods and spirituality and the first thing that came up was in Juanjuan. Truest to God, you go to Google and it comes up in the new Genesis about how biblical things have all come from the earth. Injuanjuan comes. I'm like, Injuanjuan, that's my country. I'm sure I've got photos of that. Anyway, I went through and looked, found it and I said, I've got that picture out. And if you look at the rock, so if you can put, can you see the shadow on this side? You can see the face? Can everyone see that? Yeah. So it's, that's, that is, and that actually is the, one of the paintings on the wall when he was in. Um, like human form, um, which you would have seen, Mark A., which is not far the case. Yes. So when he was in a human form, that's painted, and that's in rock form. And you cannot get anywhere near that rock because that whole sort of area there is just, there's like a five, probably now six-metre crocodile. <laughs> that is the gatekeeper yeah. of our, um, yeah. our spiritual being. So see, it's just like you've got the, the palm trees, just the... the water it's just phenomenal like that's that's your garden of eden right there it's just absolutely spectacular but it's very difficult to get there um nowadays which is a good thing yeah all right we're gonna we're quickly gonna run out of time but mark yeah. this is one of the last portraits in the book and it's the old man in the truck yes he um, he had asked me to um take him um 
up to Cannon Hill. He felt his country was singing out for him. And so he just simply asked me if I would pack everything up in the house and take him up to Cannon Hill. So he didn't feel like he had very much longer to go. He was getting very weak. And so I packed up his magnificent pile of possessions, a pair of glasses, a pair of shorts, T-shirt, wheelchair. That's all he had. Didn't have anything else. Piled it into a truck and, and took him up to Cannon Hill. So there he is sitting in the truck. Now, just before we left, he was watching the telly. It was just after 9-11. George Bush was on the screen saying, you are either with America or you are against. An old man was just sitting watching that, shaking his head. He was obviously upset. Um, so I put him in the truck and off we went. We're driving up to Cannon Hill. And he just suddenly just hit the dashboard with his hand really hard and he just said, one world. That's all he said in response to George Bush. One world. Which is all that he's basically about. Mm. You know, we are all linked together. All of us, all living things are linked together. You can't be for and against like George Bush thinks. Mm. So that, uh, I had to take that picture because it just reminded me of all these journeys that we had done together. And that's probably one of the last pictures that I took of him. And I thought, I have to do this. I have to have this image of this old man who's been my companion for these last two years. And so I took it. And yeah, it still moves me. Just this. And I still look in. I get him to the truck and he's not there. <laughs> <laughs> but he is there in a, in a strange kind of way. Photo. All right, Margaret, we'll flick back to you. Thank you. I've got the cruelest job because who wants to stop? You know, what a <laughs> wonderful um, evening we've had. But unfortunately, parliamentary duties for the Senator meant we couldn't start quite as early as we needed to for this wonderful event. So um, let me just say one more thing, which is that having um, hearing Mark and uh, the Senator talk about the old man... You can also listen to him because we have an online oral history interview with him. Um, it's, it was recorded in 1986. You can get to it from the National Library's catalogue on our website. It, it's hard to listen to because the interviewer asks some questions that you know 30 years ago an interviewer wouldn't ask. But it's, it's wonderful to hear his voice. And I'm sure you've got two opportunities now. You can <laughs> rush downstairs and buy the book, seeing that, that paradise, that Garden of Eden, as well as those fantastic photographs and the words that are um, the old man's words in the book, uh, as wonderful as you can imagine from what you've heard tonight. But then you can also hear him as well some other time. So... Without further ado, I know you're just going to want to join me in thanking our three speakers for a m very special evening. Mm -hmm.